Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Locked In Podcast. My name is Ani. My name is Shree. And we are discussing the NBA regular season progress report, I guess it can be called. We are recording this in February, so this is a progress report of the first 15 to 20 games for most teams. We did the, we did the East a week ago, now we're doing the West. Uh, I say 15 to 20 games, but some teams have played far fewer games than others. Um at Grizzlies, I guess, because they've only played 14 games. Kind of ridiculous, but... Yeah, we we didn't think a lot would change in a week when we recorded the East last time, but there's some really interesting things going on in the Western Conference, especially okay, with some, some teams that we think should be better than they are. Did that much change? There wasn't, there wasn't any big trades, though, so... No, there's no trades, but like a team like Dallas, who we'll get to, just yeah. doesn't look the same. So Exactly. Let's... But 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 real quick, real quick on the topic of of sports in general. Super Bowl is coming up this week. We'll have our Super Bowl preview out. We both predicted the Chiefs obviously would win, but the Bucks a surprise to to beat the the Packers, and we will discuss that terrible call by Matt Lafleur in the fourth quarter later on. Yes, and we say surprise with a huge grain of salt because every time we seemingly bet on Tom Brady to fail, he doesn't. So, I don't know. Take that as you will. Um, yeah, we'll do our Super Bowl stuff coming up. But today is all about basketball. So, again, we're going to start do this. at the top or start at the bottom. Um, let's, you know what? Let's start from the bottom this time. Let's go a little Drake style. We'll start it from the bottom and then we'll get there later. Okay. So the Minnesota Timberwolves are five and fourteen. I think they're pretty bad, but you'd think they're not as bad as I think they are. Why? They have a lot of young talent that's just, I don't know. Like, they're finally getting their opportunity to play and gel together on the court. Like, Anthony Edwards has looked really good in this last week. I think, especially now with D'Angelo Russell back healthy, uh, complimenting Malik Beasley, who's all of a sudden consistently scoring like 23, 24 points a game um, on efficient shooting, that too. I think those three playing together unlocks a lot of stuff for that lineup. And again, Cat isn't even healthy. So we're not seeing the full potential of this Timberwolves team who has invested a lot in their young core for the like foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the roster is quite good. Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Beasley, Anthony Edwards. But I, I think the main issue, honestly, with, with, with the Timberwolves is coaching. I think Ryan Saunders, who is the son of the late great Timberwolves legend Flip Saunders, he has all these great pieces, but I think the biggest piece missing for the Timberwolves is their defense. I think their defense is lacking. And Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, Beasley, d- these guys aren't aren't defensive stars. So they really have to gel together well and be coached well to play good defense. But Ryan Saunders, I don't think, is... and was when he got hired and still is a qualified enough coach to teach in the NBA. And so I personally think that their biggest hindrance is coaching. I agree the talent on the roster very high, but I think one, they've been getting really derailed by injuries, right? Carlton Towns, what with the broken dislocated wrist and now he's out with COVID. But moreover, I think even with the team they do have, they can't even make the most of it because their defense is just atrocious. Right. And, um, we'll get to Golden State later, but a lot of people argue that the Timberwolves would have been better off drafting James Wiseman instead of Anthony Edwards just because there's the natural defensive fit 
with Wiseman's potential on that and complementing Cat's offensive arsenal, I feel like Carl Anthony Towns isn't necessarily a plus defender yet. I think he could be there, but he just hasn't shown any growth in that area on the floor yet. And I don't think Anthony Edwards is a stud defender. Like Again, potential is there, but they drafted him to be an offensive piece and not necessarily that elite two-way guy. So, I don't know. Um, they're, I think, fully healthy. They're just not a scrub team. Like, they're, the pieces are there. There is talent. I, But, yeah, they're just but injuries. They haven't been able to put it together. My thing is, you look at, what, 14 through 7, right? Any of those teams could potentially make the play-in, except for the Timberwolves. I think the Timberwolves, of all the teams, will not make the play-in. Even though I guess they're only like 2.5 games behind the Pelicans, I don't think they're going to make the play. Yeah, that's way down the line. But right now the standings are just whack because so many teams have played fewer games. It's just uneven. We'll assess the standing stuff when the season gets towards its latter stages. But let's keep moving on up this Western Conference leaderboard. The 14 seed New Orleans Pelicans, who after a promising start with all of their pieces healthy they have this weird Lonzo Ball Eric Bledsoe backcourt Zion playing consistently Brandon Ingram taking another step on the offensive side boosting his playmaking ability in the offseason looks like a different player um they're 7 and 11 which is honestly disappointing and yes they lost Drew Holiday but you figure with their core getting a little more time together they I don't know they they should be better than what they are no, I agree. And I think of everyone on the team, the person that took the biggest step up is definitely Brandon Ingram. He's really taken a huge step up and becoming, as we kind of saw in the bubble in the latter stages, a really, really efficient scorer and someone that can really be relied on to, to, to score big when you need it to count. Kind of looking like KD, honestly, sometimes, which is kind of crazy because you never thought you'd see another person like KD ever. But Brandon Ingram's really looking like that. But we know that they're shopping to get rid of J.J. Redick. So we'll see where he ends up and what pieces they can get for him. And we'll see if Lonzo also moves on. Maybe that there's a package deal involved. But I think the biggest piece with the, the Pelicans is Zion has developed, yeah. But on the rebounding end, he's only averaging like seven or eight boards per game. And yeah, he's averaging like 20 points. But like we thought Zion would be this like 30 and 10 type of guy who could just dominate the paint. And he is scoring well but i just thought that zion would take a bigger step in his development and i think that's the key for this pelicans team is zion needs to play at the level that like he needs to take that step that brendan ingram took and i'm not sure when he's going to take that and it's a difficult step to take but just he needs to unlock the hype that has been drilled into him since he was a teenager i also think that this is his technically still first season because last year he barely played and most, this is of true. His, most of his experience was like at the end of the season and a little bit of the bubble. He hasn't had a full season playing NBA games. Like practice is different. Um, your individual workouts are different, but actually competing against these other NBA guys, that's a whole other step. So the fact that he's doing what he's doing at his age is really impressive. And I know there's more to see from him on the defensive side, on the rebounding side. He should be this elite offensive rebounder, guy who just creates second chances and should be an awesome transition player. And I think that's where Lonzo and him really excel. But what do you, where do you think is like an ideal spot for Lonzo? Because I don't think it's on this team. I don't see him succeeding on the Pelicans in the, the role he has right now. Just because Bledsoe and Ball are both 
really good defenders, but do not work in this modern NBA in terms of scoring guards. So, I don't know. What do you think of Lonzo? I mean, when I think of Lonzo, honestly, the Timberwolves seem like a good bet because Lonzo's a pass-first defensive point guard, so you can just have him run pick-and-rolls with Cat all day, and he brings some defensive presence. He can kick it out to shooters. He can run the transition, like run it down the floor. Like Right now, like I think Alonzo would actually bring a lot to the, to the Timberwolves. I'm just thinking of teams that need defense, but also a pass-first point guard. And of the teams that need that, that don't already have one, I think that the, the Timberwolves potentially are a really good fit. Maybe even... I mean, no, the Jazz already have Mike Conley, so I don't think they need him. But yeah, maybe maybe the Timberwolves? I don't know. That's just in the West, because I heard... Okay, I heard that they were trying to shop Lonzo to the East, so um, maybe somewhere like the Sixers, I guess is what I heard. Sixers, Celtics, Nets, one of the the East... What, what are the divisions again? The Atlantic? Hold on. I don't even know what the divisions Atlantic, are. One of the Central... Div- yeah, um, East Central is what I heard. But Southeast. I you think no. the Sixers with the Ben Simmons and Lonzo Ball backcourt would score more than ten points a game or less than ten points a game? Well, combined or each total, like com- like each by themselves. The team total. <laughs> That's two of the the most. I guess uh, Lonzo shots gotten better, but it's still funny to envision Lonzo Ball Ben Simmons backcourt. No, I think the Timberwolves are a good fit. I mean, because we just we just talked about them, right? They need defense and they need someone that can sort of run the floor and give the ball to Cat, give the ball. I mean, Anthony Edwards is a point guard, right? But still, like he, like he can, you, I don't know. I, I don't envision anyone else that needs that sort of like, like that can just like be in the post and the Lonzo can just kick it to them. I don't know. I don't really know. But I guess, yeah. Let's let's move on to the Mavericks because they are a wreck. They are a ball of flames on fire because they've lost five in a row. And honestly, just watching their games. They don't look that like they for like three games or two games when Kristaps came back, you were like, oh, this team is actually like, I, and then they just kind of fell apart. And I don't really, I don't, I like even watching. I think I watched two or three of their games of the five they lost, and I don't know where like they've gone. It's hard to pinpoint one specific thing. I agree. It's hard to assess. I think they're the biggest disappointment of the season so far, considering everyone had Luca's preseason MVP favorite or at least one of the favorites and if you have an MVP guy on your team you should not be a 13 seed um you should at least be in the playoff race which I mean I think they'll get there like I think it's just early season stuff but they haven't had guys like Josh Richardson healthy a lot of their like core guys Maxi Kleba just just small pieces in and out haven't been healthy and Porzingis obviously didn't start off the season healthy, so he still has to get himself back into game shape and into a role in this Mavs offense where he can actually excel because the fit so far hasn't looked great alongside Luka. But yeah, 8-12 and 12 cannot be sufficient for this Mavs team. They have they have potential to be much more. That's all I'm going to say. I, I, I'm ju- I just want to give this time. Yeah, I don't know. For me, I think the, the thing the Mavs lack is depth. I think I've talked about this earlier. I just don't see them being like a make it to the Eastern Conference semi, make it past the first round of the playoffs type team. Because the, the role players they have are not the greatest role players. Like if you're relying on Maxi Kleba as like one of your like star role players, it's just like you're not going to make it far. So I think their biggest issue is honestly depth. And also again with Luka, he, we, we see him taking the step, but he really needs to be 
I mean, we can give him time, and he deserves time. And I think maybe next year, because we all said last year, maybe this year, maybe next year. But I think even if he is where he is right now, what perennial all-star, like that's still good enough to build around him. And I get why you keep Rick Carlisle, because like, Rick Carlisle is a good talent developer, and he, he'll allow Luka to blossom. But I think maybe next year, the Mavs should seriously look at changing their head coach. Because I just don't think Rick Carlisle brings that much to the team that in terms of like, especially when Luka's fully developed, that you need a better head coach to sort of facilitate that roster and sort of bring different pieces together. I don't think Rick Carlisle is that anymore. Maybe he was in like the early 2010s, but I don't think right now he's different. I kind of see that, but I also think that he helped Dirk a lot. And as an organization, if you have that as your track record with the head coach, you, you're bringing in another European star who's supposedly going to be the face of your franchise for the next 10, 15 years. So I'd want to keep a I mean, coach who has that familiarity working with a star and making them feel comfortable in an offense, letting them be the focal point of an offense. I don't know. Like I, I do understand just because it feels like it's kind of stale right now. Yeah. But. That's the biggest issue is that, no, like everything you said is right. And I think that's why they've kept him is because they kind of just replaced Dirk with Luka and they're like, oh, it should work out. Mm-hmm. But like, if you look at Dirk, Dirk is one of the winningest players of all time. He's right. like top five on the all-time wins list. And that's because like the Mavs would always have a winning season whenever he was there. And Rick Carlisle was a coach for like a few years of that towards the tail end of Dirk's career. And he did definitely help out there. But it, it's a different era of basketball, and it's a different way of coaching. And also the roster, if you look at the 2011 roster, right, their depth was insane. They had all depth, like very little breadth. They only had like Dirk as their primary star player. But the, their their depth was insane. But now, like I think their depth is is not as good. And if you look at the off season, they, they didn't make any good moves. Like they didn't make any moves that I thought, oh yeah, you know, this is gonna take this Mavs team that next level. And they mm-hmm. made like. They made the playoffs, right? And they lost to the Clippers, but it was it was a decent series. I mean, Luke had that buzzer beater, but like that's your baseline for next year. It's like, okay, you made the playoffs, you won a game or two against the Clippers, right? Like, how do we get to the next step? And they're nowhere close. I think if anything, they've become worse than last year, which is not where you want to be. Right? So To be to be fair, I think if Porzingis was healthy, they possibly steal that series last year against the Clippers. Hundred yeah, percent. They're, you're right. Like The baseline is they were a seven seed last year. They lost in the first round of the playoffs. And a lot of the teams ahead of them got better, and they didn't necessarily improve in the offseason. So exactly. they essentially just stayed where they are. And I think all the teams under them tried to get better. And the Warriors are obviously like they weren't going to repeat what they did last year this season. So, yeah, the Mavs have a lot to work on. But let's move on to another another weird team. I don't think... They're disappointing, but I also think I want more from them, and that's the Sacramento Kings. I do think they had the pick of the draft in Tyrese Halliburton, who is now slowly becoming one of my favorite players to watch. He does every little thing you want on both ends of the floor. Perfectly compliments De'Aaron Fox. I think Halliburton's shot translated way better from college to the NBA than I think anyone thought. Um, Still looks a little weird, but it goes in. He spaces the floor effectively, makes good reads. Um, always has his hands in the passing lanes, has pretty good individual defense. So regardless of how this King season turns out, I think they have their backcourt of the future. No, I 
I agree, and he looks really, really good. I just don't like talking about the Kings because I don't know what's wrong with them. They've like been in the same state for the past like three or four years where they have like these really good college players and they have all these pieces and they have someone explosive and dynamic and like De'Aaron Fox and they have someone who we thought was going to be good with like Marvin Bagley and they have like a decent amount of pieces and they always end up having a good draft pick but just never end up putting it together no matter who their coach is. And so I just don't know what to make of the Kings. They're the one team in the entire league where I'm just like, I don't understand and I will never understand how they always suck. One of the cool things though is like, like Bagley started off this season terribly, but as of late, he's like on the season now he's shooting like 37% from three. So if he establishes that shot as like a reasonable offensive threat and he's shooting 48% from the floor, 26 minutes or only like 13 points a game. But I think that number is going to go up the way he's been playing. I think if Bagley at least becomes half of the guy they expected when they put so much stock in him and took him, I think, two overall back in 2018, he's he's one of their keys. And it's just the problem is, like, all the talent they've drafted, like, if Buddy Heald is your second best player, you're not gonna win many games. And Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I, I'm hearing some Buddy Heald slander, and I don't like it. It's not slander on Buddy Heald, it's slander of the Kings. Like, Buddy Heald cannot be the second best player on your team if you're reasonably going to compete in the Western Conference. It's just not going to happen. That's true. Unless, I mean, no, unless Buddy Heald becomes, like, the second coming of, like, I guess Steph in some senses. But, no, I agree, I agree. And I think also the players are not, like, the people do not play consistently on the King. I think, as an organization, everything needs a reset. Their coaching staff, like, doesn't coach well, right? And players are not consistent. And it's just, I don't, it's just kind of a mess, man. The only thing, the only good thing about the Kings is, I guess, their arena, which you've been to and you said is a pretty good arena. So, mm. I mean, yeah. wait. So, go Golden One Center is what's really better? What's better? I'm telling you, Chase Center or Golden One Center? Okay, well, for me, um, like, I okay. was automatically on, on. not biased. Like I, I was very anti-Chase Center because Oracle just means so much to me. So I agree, same, same. I went into like I went to a Christmas Day game, Rockets Warriors, and that was one of the few games the Warriors won last season. Awesome atmosphere. It was great to be there. The arena is sparkling clean, just really good experience throughout, but it didn't feel like your typical Warriors game. It just felt very experience based instead of like atmosphere based. And I that sounds weird, but No, it makes sense because I think that's what the new like the new especially for like it's like the multi-purpose like you put a stadium there and then you put like a shopping center right next which is what they're building they put a shopping center right next to it right so you can come you can eat you can shop and then you can go to the game right people can shop outside and it's like this whole like experience like a one and done type thing it's like a day out in san francisco like you're not going for just the game like you're gonna do other things like around the area but that's what that's what like the braves are doing with their with their new I don't even do they had like 15 stadiums in the past three years but that's what the Braves are doing with their new ballpark down in Atlanta so I I understand exactly what you mean right but what I was gonna say is that the Kings they have that like there's really nice restaurants around the arena like the arena is also really pretty recent it's new um looks really nice air conditioned but the atmosphere is still there like Arco Arena in the past and Golden One Center both of those arenas are they maintain the vibe of a a packed home game like it doesn't feel fake it doesn't feel artificial there's it just 
I don't know. And maybe part of that is because, like, the Warriors did move cities. Like, it's not the same fan base. Well, I, like, I, I was going to ask, do you feel like that's because the Warriors have become more corporate sellout and less... Not corporate sellout in that sense, but, like, the price of Warriors tickets on average has gone up so much over the past six years, which makes sense. They're the best team or have been the best team for the past very few years. But, like, the average when we were kids and used to go to Warriors games, the average fan could never afford tickets right now to go to multiple games it's like a one even for us it's like going to one game it's like okay yeah we can only go to one game or like going to one game is like oh yeah it's like a 200 dollars per ticket type deal right yeah and so, back back in the day when we used to go to games it was almost like they had to pay us to go to yeah games. they literally like, almost had to they give us free food and free parking and free everything and we only pay 20 dollars for the ticket and it'd be like bro what is this those warriors hornets games used to be stuff of legend dude no <laughs> those... so do you feel like warriors fans are now just vc guys in their patagonia vests just like slow clapping golf clapping because they're used to being at the golf course instead of like regular people packed an oracle making noise you know i'm not gonna make that assumption but i do think they are pricing out some of the fans that made warriors games what they are so yeah that's my that's my arena spiel but anyways kings halliburton good rest of the team needs to figure stuff out you know you know who has a great atmosphere apparently is like the, the thunder i i don't know i've never been to oklahoma oh, city chesapeake arena awesome i it, i'm sure because the thing with oklahoma is like they're such a there's college not much, sports uh, town. There's there's not much in Oklahoma City. I'm not gonna lie. I've never no. been there, but I can just tell there's not much in Oklahoma City. No, and I'm, I figure you would know because like Texas Oklahoma games are always crazy rivalries. And yeah, like, but we, we, I, they're only played in Dallas. They're not played in Norman or Austin. So no, I know, but like I'm saying, like when you think of Oklahoma, you think of Oklahoma City, and you think of all the college sports atmospheres that are there. Mm-hmm. Like you don't yeah. OSU Oklahoma City. OU, yeah, the Thunder are their only like prominent professional sports organization. So I feel like the the energy in that arena is so college Like it, Like, they have that little OKC chant. And, like, it just, I don't know. It doesn't feel the same as other NBA arenas. It, it feels very university-ish, which I don't mind. Like, I really enjoy the Thunder crowd, especially in playoff games. It's electric. But their team this year is also electric. Like, it, everyone pegged them to be the 15C, the 14C, just because of how many pieces they lost. Um... Chris Paul, Gallo, um, Schroeder, like nobody is left, but here they are, eight and ten in the eleven spot, fighting in the playoff hunt. SGA looks awesome. Darius Baisley's blossoming. Um, who else? Dort has really become an offensive threat, and which is surprising because he was this like defensive mastermind, stopping James Harden in the bubble, and we're like, oh, he's like. All defense, no offense, because he used to leave him wide open for threes, but like now he's actually kind of developed. Yeah, like Dort is <laughs> Dort shooting thirty eight percent from three on reasonable attempts per game, and he's been struggling a little as of late, but <laughs> still pretty impressive considering he was just left wide open in last year's playoffs. So I do like the two way play of Dort. I like how they compete. OKC is just always going to be in the thick of things. So I'm, I'm impressed with their team. I think if there's well, a most disappointing... know what's very interesting about them, though? What? They've, they're 1-6 they're and six at home. Well, home, really court makes... doesn't, home court doesn't matter this season. No, I know, which which really makes you think, like, imagine if they had a real home court. Like, imagine if there was fans. Like, maybe those games might go differently. Right. I also feel like they've played a lot of really good teams at home, which could skew it. But you're right. Like, I... I think OKC's home court advantage is a little different than a lot of other teams' home court advantage. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now we have a team that, that sent shockwaves through the Twitter sphere, the sports world, when going through this massive trade, the Houston Rockets. Yeah. <laughs> Great intro. For... Thank you. Thank you. Honestly, Thank you. one of the more just <laughs> always changing teams in the league. Um, started they won off the five season. in a row right now, so they're 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 on they're on the rise. They're on the rise. I'm, I'm telling you, when you have a team of guys who just want to play with each other, that's just automatically going to make everyone try a little harder. It's going to increase the morale of the team. You know, I feel like the Harden thing really weighed down on that organization start of the season. And yes, they did lose one of the best players in the league, but I think they their current roster is a playoff threat. Like Oladipo, Christian Wood, a healthy John Wall, um, Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker, a lot of just really Dude, okay, cool Okay, you're pieces. just going to completely forget Boogie out of this equation. No, Boogie's fine. He, like, he's playing okay. Like, I'm telling you, he's important. It's a luxury that they have him right now. Like, he, he's not expected to be an elite-level producer. But no, when he okay. gives you those nights where he has like 25 and 12, like 22, 11, just stuff like that, it's awesome. It just helps the team out even more. And I think everyone's bought in. Um, I always forget Paul Silas or Steven Silas. Steven I think Silas. it's Steven, Steven right? Silas. Yes. I think he's, he's a very good culture guy for this current set of players. I think what they're doing is really nice they've stockpiled draft picks they've become sam presti south and a very impressive turnaround after a terrible start to the season no i agree and they they won five in a row but i mean i have a question for you do you think the roster better before this the harden trade or after after Okay, I mean, because do you really feel like Harden weighed down that roster and that team so much that like trading mm-hmm. him for essentially like it was a one for one Oladipo for Harden trade? If you look at it just from a pure roster 2021, 2020, 2020, 2021 season perspective, right? Like you really feel. Here's my thing on Harden, like, and this is after watching him play Golden State year in and year out in the playoffs, and. Just You see so much of him because he's one of the five best players in the league. There's always highlights. There's always breakdowns of how his game is. The Rockets' offense was just, I don't know. It was three or bust. There was no in-between. Like People would pass up layups to kick out for P.J. Tucker threes. Like It was either that or hardened isos. I feel like now everyone gets to interject a little more into the offense. They inject themselves, their play styles, into... A system in which uh, there are a lot of talented guys like Eric Gordon, not talked about often, but very skilled one-on-one player, shoots the three well. He's a talented basketball player. And people like Oladipo, Christian Wood, these younger guys, um, I don't know. Oladipo's obviously already made a name for himself coming back from injury, playing really well this season. But Christian Wood, like getting more time to shine. And I feel like with Harden and the way he just monopolized the offense, it just didn't really do any of the other guys any favors whatsoever. So, I don't know. I think the Rockets are in a good place. No, I think they're in a good place. And, yeah, I mean, for me, I I didn't buy into the hype that James Harden was that detrimental to the, like, culture of Houston so much so that they were struggling and they needed to get rid of him. But the fact that they did and they're, they have won five in a row seems to, to, to speak to the fact that I was wrong. 
So we'll see how they develop. But right now they seem pretty good. They seem cohesive as a team, which I don't think they've been in a long time. So yeah, it's very good no, to see. There's no drama from Houston, which is yeah. shocking considering the Astros, Deshaun Watson, James Harden. It's just finally there's some peace in the region. No, for sure. But now we go to the, the Spurs, the beacon of consistency in the NBA. And they are like, I mean, last year they were like, uh, they were a bubble team to make the the play in in the bubbles they were like a double bubble team and they they had some injuries in the bubble and some guys didn't play but now they're actually i mean their young stars are actually developing much better right Dejounte murray Derek white both playing significantly better and i'm definitely missing out on um there's one other person i'm missing Dude. out on um, Lonnie Walker is playing well. Lonnie Walker, there we no, go. No, but what? Who I think I was just talking to someone today in a fantasy league about trading for him, Keldon Johnson, mm-hmm. absolute stud. Like he's he's blossoming into, for, first of all, an awesome fantasy guy, but just a really good basketball player. And the Spurs always do this; they find these guys that no one else finds who they're just gems. Like they, people like. They, the Spurs extracted so much value from Boris Diaw. They've gotten so much out of Patty Mills over the years. It's just there's these guys who are just awesome rotation guys, and I think he's one of them. He's going to be making a lot of money in the near future from some team that's going to overpay for him. So, no, no, no. I think he might stay a Spur. He could stay a Spur, but the Spurs don't like paying their guys. No, I mean, makes sense, but I don't know. I think the Spurs team is actually kind of fun to watch, which I like. Yeah, and DeRozan, playmaker DeRozan, is really fun to watch too. So, again, one of the most underappreciated players in the league. I don't think he made ESPN's top 80. Like, they did the top 100, and I think he was like 83rd or 84th or something ridiculous like that. Honestly, I think of all players in the Spurs that need to step up right now, it's the Marcus Aldridge that needs to step up. Yeah, he had a slow start. I think he'll pick yeah. it up, though. Aldridge's game is, like, very mid-rangey, so he's not going to be struggling at that for too long. But my favorite team... The eighth spot right now, which means they would be in the play-in tournament. They would not be a surefire playoff team. The Golden State Warriors, eleven and nine, pretty up and down this season. They haven't really had any consistency, but I think after their really really poor start, they've shown some really awesome signs in terms of what lineups work. I think they moved Wiseman to the bench, which means Kevon Looney starts, but that improves the defensive versatility of the starting lineup, allows Wiseman to thrive in the second unit, get him some experience. You know what's really cool about this year's Warriors team is that it feels like Wiseman is just their student, and the whole team is just mentoring Wiseman into becoming a stud basketball player, and it's really fun to watch. Um, Stephen Curry, for anyone who had doubts that he would be able to keep putting up crazy stats with efficiency, he's averaging 27, he's shooting... 46% from the field, 47% from the field, and he's back to being a 40% three-point shooter after a slow start. So, um, screw you, haters. He is back. He is playing really well. I mean, dude, honestly, the cherry on the cake would have been if he had, like, a 50-40-90 season, which, I mean, he's kind of close to doing, but, like, to bump his field goal percentage up, like, 30%. But I think also just just the shots he's being forced to take in some of the late-game situations just to sort of get the Warriors back into it. Like, I can tell, like, 
if 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 Clay was there, like it'd be a different story. Like he would get better shots. He's he's he's. I've seen so many double teams on Steph. It's unbelievable this season. Double teams, triple teams, box and ones. Like Crazy. he's seen it like, all. They, he's and... been the sole focus of any team playing the Warriors. And the fact that he's putting up the numbers he's putting is a testament to how he's just one of the greatest players ever. Yes, I can't say it better. And I was gonna add that. Draymond's line doesn't look great when you look at it box score wise. No, but okay, listen. Draymond stuff, is a coach on the floor. Yeah, the stuff confirmed. the stuff he does to help not only Wiseman defensively, but just everyone gets them into position and on offense just knows when to pass the ball. Even those hockey assists, like he knows setups for setups. Um, really smart basketball player. It's just good having him on the floor consistently. So I think this is right now the Warriors are tied. All the way through the five seed, it's Golden State, Portland, Phoenix, and then Memphis in eight, seven, six, and five. Um, I think they're probably the best out of these four teams. Well, right now, when but it, when when CJ comes back, I think, and the Fe- I think Phoenix is for sure better than Golden State, and I think the Blazers when CJ comes back are better than Golden State. See, I don't know if Phoenix is for sure better than Golden no, State. Like, 100%. yes, they just they just waxed us the other day. No, but... I think in terms of roster makeup and in terms of the potential for their players, like. They, come on, dude. I mean, they have Devin Booker, CP3, and DeAndre Aiden. Like, the only player, like, the Warriors have is Steph Curry. Like, like objectively, like, I think that the Suns are playing below People, where they should be playing. And this I know, but you're right. Like, Phoenix is a very talented team, but I think they're just so... It's so many new pieces playing together at once that I just... It's I mean, it, dude, They've yeah. had to completely change the way they play with Chris Paul coming into the team. Like, they were a really up-and-down team last year. Now they've just become a half-court offense the way Chris Paul plays. They're figuring stuff out. But I think right. in terms of, like, a, like, look, if you put the Suns and the Warriors in, like, a seven-game series, the Suns will come out most of the time winning the series. Um, no, I mean, sure. And I mean, that's just where we disagree. Like, it, it's just... No, I, so I no, wouldn't so be you, surprised if it happened. Like if Phoenix wins the seven game series against Golden State, I will not be surprised because Phoenix is a very talented basketball team. It's just I think Golden State has more guys who've been playing for a longer time together. Nah, dude, this is, this is that's a ridiculous. Wiseman is new, but they're Oubre not changing. They're not changing the system for Wiseman and Ubre. They're slotting those two guys into a system. But they still have to learn Phoenix, the new system. No, they still have to learn the new system. No, but I think it's easier to learn a system than completely overhaul a system with guys. who... Who had a different system the year before? No, like, but dude, there's only like five or six. Okay, of key pieces, there's like three key pieces, four key pieces on the Suns team that are the same as before. No, but they again, like what I'm saying is like bringing Chris Paul in makes you a half court offensive team. Last year, the Suns with guys like Ubre, Point Booker, like Mikael Bridges, developing this year really nicely, by the way. But all those guys played up and down. Like they didn't really run a lot of set plays in the half court but now like we're hearing deandre ayton's name more because chris paul is like making it a point like a focal point to feed him get him post touches like there's a lot more of this set offense versus transition basketball so it is something to monitor like and it's a reason why the suns are not like 13 and 6 or something like they are 10 and 8 they're figuring a lot of stuff out so i don't know like they're very evenly matched i would say i'll, I'll I leave it at that for now humanly dis- i think the warriors are playing above where they should be playing oh you think, think they're playing above no way no i think right now they are i think no okay again i think both the suns and the warriors are playing a little bit above where they should be playing because again no i think i think the suns are underachieving a little bit and i think golden state is underachieving too like the the warriors 
start to the season was about as bad a start to the season no, like, as I that's can remember. What I'm no, the Warriors have still, like, not so many new guys, but they have a couple new guys, and their system is quite different for Wiggins and Oubre with Steph in. I think the fact they're 11-9 is a good thing. That, like, they're they're overachieving. Like, I think if, if I predicted with this team, they would have been, like, where, like, the, the, the Mavericks are or, like, the Pelicans, right? So the fact that they've won a few more games is great for that. I think the Warriors are going to get better as the season goes on. I also think the Suns are going to get better as the season goes on. That's exactly like I, what I'm saying. No, yeah. So I think at the end of the day, I think the Suns are a significantly better team than the Warriors. Okay, we just disagree there. Last thing on the Warriors, Wiggins looks really good. Like he's no, just Wiggins actually looks season. good. Ubre does not look good, but yeah, I the I the Ubre struggles. I don't like it. I think they'll get better. I just don't like it right now. But Wiggins shooting forty percent from three is the most awesome surprise I could have asked for. So that's where I'll leave that. Blazers seven seed. Um, unfortunate injuries to Nurkic and CJ, who, by the way, CJ McCollum, if he was healthy, would be an all-star this season. Just Dude, I, amazing okay. efficiency from three. Will he ever become an all-star in his career? Like, will he, ever, will he ever play an all-star game? I think he will, at least once. Really? And I think he should have by now. No, okay, I agree with the second part of your statement, but I, I don't think he'll ever, like, not that I don't, I think he's just as a guy that will always be snubbed. But there, I think... There's no, the there's, snub, there's too many no good young guys in the league that like there no way they're gonna give like, like they'll be like oh yeah CJ McCollum come play in the All Star game Devin Booker, haha like you're not gonna play like I don't think that's ever gonna happen. No, but this season like I like CJ McCollum if he no, was well, healthy this it would season, be an All Star again. I think this season was his best shot, but like yeah, he was averaging twenty six on like eleven three attempts a game and he was making like forty five percent of them. So just a really really special season for him. I think he's coming back in a week or two, so good for him. Um, Dame Lillard, again, just the usual brilliance. Um, this team, again, it's hard to assess when Nurkic is out. It's just different when Cantor is in that starting role versus Nurkic. So you lose a lot on the defensive end. Your offensive rebounding is a little better. You're, I don't know. Nurkic is just a more versatile player, better player. That They'll be better than what their record is right now. They're 10-8. and eight. I don't like their wings that much. Like Derek Jones Jr., Robert Covington, good, not great. Covington as a win as a wing is the weirdest statement to say because on some teams he's basically like their center and on some teams he's basically their small forward and it's like I don't know where he is. Covington center for the Rockets last year is just was just hilarious. Yeah, um, no, he's still yeah. on on ESPN fantasy basketball. He's still like his position is PF slash C, like it is <laughs> the most confusing thing. But yeah, the, the, Covington's just a guy that like you can put anywhere and just be like, you know what? Give me like thirty minutes tonight. Just do whatever the hell you want. So interesting guy to categorize. Um, I we talked about the Suns, right? Do we need to go over Phoenix? Like, I think okay, that so we kind of roped them in with our Golden State discussion. I think they're going to be like the fifth or sixth seed. I think they're going to remain there. You think they'll be like the seventh or eighth seed? I think they'll be around like six, seven, eight. Like, it, I don't think they're. Oh, this is so tough because the Grizzlies are the five seed right now, but there's no way the Grizzlies stay up five. No, okay. like I think I think of after no after the Nuggets, the Lakers, the Jazz, and the Clippers, the like fifth best team in the in the West are the Suns. I would say Portland's gonna end up being better than Phoenix by season's end. Okay, and then all, I mean we are just completely ignoring the Rockets, but I don't think Houston's better than. Okay, where I okay, let's do tier one is. Both LA teams, Utah and Denver. I think we both agree on that, right? Like that's like tier one in terms of the West. Yeah, the the two LA teams and the two Mountain teams. Yeah. <laughs> All right, sure. And then you have Phoenix, Portland, Golden State, 
Memphis and no, no, no. Houston. Don't group Memphis into this. No, no, no. It's, it's the Spurs. I would replace Memphis with the Spurs. You you can't discount a team that's won six in a row. Let's let's include because they don't even have Jaron Jackson back. This team is like a year away from being in that tier. I don't know. They're a year away from being a year away, but they're overachieving right now, which is kind of what the Mavs did last year. So for fairness sakes, I feel like we have to put them in that tier. Okay, but then we're just discounting the Mavs and the Thunder completely, you know? Like, I feel like the last year was the Kings, Pelicans, and Timberwolves, but like the the Mavs and the Thunder are just like two teams that like... I would put the Thunder with the Pelicans and the Timberwolves. Ooh, but you were talking so much about how good they are. They're overachieving right now. They're playing really well, but I don't think they're better than Dallas. I don't think they're better than Houston. I don't think they're going to be better than the Spurs. And I think Memphis is... Memphis is worse than Phoenix, Portland, and Golden State. But I think because of how well they're playing right now, they should be in that tier. If we're doing it right now. Okay, no. That's a valid statement. So what do you feel about like a team like the Nuggets? Because the Nuggets have had some COVID issues. Speaking of which, their game that they're supposed to play today against the Pistons, that's when we're recording this, got postponed uh, because of some inconclusive COVID test from Detroit. But Again, Denver started slow, and now they're playing exactly like how I expect them to play, with Jokic as an MVP candidate, supporting cast, doing what they have to do to fill in. Michael Porter Jr. back from COVID protocols. The only issue is, is Jamal Murray an all-star type player or is he just again he's playing like a watered down version of playoff Jamal Murray he does this every regular season he just kind of coasts through um we kind of forget about him and then in the playoffs he'll do this thing where he just averages 28 a game so I don't like it I don't like what he does okay but is Jokic MVP for you right now Embiid one Jokic two that's my order right now no it's a very valid statement yeah I mean all I can say is picking up Jokic for fantasy is the best decision I made Oh, he is a fantasy god, and he torched Rudy Gobert the other night. I think he had like 33 in the first half, finished with like 47, had a triple-double. So he's no, he didn't have a triple-double. Or close to a triple-double. Oh, yeah, you didn't get the triple-double bonus no, on fantasy? No, I get the triple-double. No, no in, my, in the league where I have him, I don't have a triple-double bonus. But no, he, he, he's hasn't been, he used to be averaging like nine assists per game, almost ten assists. Now he's averaging the past like week, I think. Like five or six, which is not bad, but like you know. No, he he decided that he just needs to score the ball a little more. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and okay, so <laughs> it's just really funny because I also have MPJ, and MPJ basically did not play for an entire month, mm-hmm. so that was just really frustrating. But I think with him back and with most of their guys back, they're they're for sure going to be in the top four. I think they're a really good team. Obviously, um, the the Lakers, the, the Lakers look good, um, but they also sometimes don't look good. Like they lost to the Warriors and the Pistons. And then, like, I don't know. They're just very, I mean, not they're confusing, but, like, also LeBron can shoot the three now, like, legitimately. <laughs> and it's, like, kind of scary because, like, yeah. he's, like, old. What and- the hell? Like, I was going to ask you, like, I, I have just three really simple things about the Lakers. One, AD needs to be better. Yeah, um, but he's, like, injured in quotation marks. Right. But I just, he's, everyone expected an MVP breakout type season from him, and he just hasn't done that. Two, LeBron is just on another planet in terms of shooting the three right now. Like, if this is the last stage in his career and he just becomes this elite three-point shooter, it's over. Like, he's going to just keep averaging 25 until he's, like, 60 years old. And then three, they're just a much... It feels not as 
together a team as no, last year. Like obviously the the talent is just on another, like it's a step up because of guys like Schroeder, Marcus Saul, uh, Montrez Harold. There's just there's there there's nights where like if the team isn't playing at high energy, they'll just be those guys who inject high energy into the game. Like they have that this season, but it, but it feels different. I don't feel as confident, even though the roster is better, which feels weird. That's what I'm saying. Like just, yeah. it doesn't have that like togetherness from last year, and I think last season also part of that had to do with. You know, rest in peace, the late great Kobe Bryant. But they they played with a huge mission. There was a purpose to everything they were doing, and there, it's there's something is a step off this season. But they're fifteen and six, and they're a game back of the first seed. So I think they're just coasting right now. To be completely honest, yeah. So the Utah Jazz are like, like are they overachieving? Are they like the, the where they should be? Because I'm just like, what is going on in Utah? I mean, they have like a really good roster and they're anchored by a defensive player of the year. Like he's just perennially going to be a defensive player of the year. Mike candidate. Conley stepped up his game though. A lot. I knew it. Like last season's start was just an aberration. Like that wasn't going to continue. Mike Conley is a fantastic basketball player. Criminally underrated his entire career. Um, Donovan Mitchell took another mini step up. They have no, Boyle, but, hey, hey, Donovich. Hey, according to Shaq, he, he he doesn't have it in him, right? According to Shaq. <laughs> Shaq. Shaq is one of those old heads that just will only like four or five guys. And, and then just the hate everybody. Just dead to him. No, but yeah. like, dude, when he, when he told Donovan Mitchell that, he gave no constructive criticism. I he hated just that like, interview. It was just awkward. He was, like, he was like, Donovan Mitchell, I don't think you're good enough. Donovan Mitchell's like, okay, like what else are you supposed to say? Yeah, like, he was like, you're one of my favorite players, but I just don't, you're one of your I don't favorite, think you're good enough. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, why are you, I don't know. Shaq just has something for the Utah Jazz because all this Gobert criticism has been unbelievable too. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, okay, I, I agree with his criticism that like big men are softer now than they were back then because that is 100% true. But also like you're discounting the fact that like Shaq is like one of a kind in terms of his physical attributes. Also, you can't really punch people in the face anymore. But like, if you look at guys like, if you look at guys like uh, Patrick Ewing, right, or like, I mean, okay, I guess Shaq, right? Like, like Uh the 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 way they finessed in the post was like much different than now. Where like the centers don't really have a post game anymore. You know, I think it's definitely lacking. So, I agree with some of his criticisms, but overall, I think like he needs to take off the, the clown makeup and like sit down in his chair next to Ernie and everyone else. And just like, you know, chill out for a bit. I don't know. You I see think... what, you see what Reggie Miller did when Steph broke his record. Yeah, that was, that was class. That was, and Reggie Miller is not like a, he's like from a different generation, I guess in terms of actually, no, they're literally from the same generation. They played in the same era, but yeah. there's, there's a difference between being a salty, not giving props when props are due guy versus someone who respects the transition of the game and the evolution of basketball and really well no like okay. understanding greatness like i think reggie miller understands where the game is going a little more just because he also shot a lot of three-pointers no but, but I, I i think it's a situation from reggie like steph curry is clearly a better player than reggie miller i don't think you can i don't think you can say the same thing about rudy gobert versus Shaq. of course of course but i'm saying you don't have to no so if, if someone is someone clearly if really someone is clearly better than you then you have to be like oh props you can't act salty it, otherwise you'll just look bad like it's, it's like isaiah thomas with michael jordan like although he like says all these good things about mj like he just looks really bad whenever he talks about mj because he is very clearly the inferior player whereas okay, in the other if situation happened if something happened in the case where like gobert like breaks Shaq's 
number for blocks. And I'm not I don't even think Shaq is like super up there just because he wasn't ever a great defensive center. But let's say that happens. Like you think Shaq would say anything or I don't know. Probably not. It's Shaq, bro. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But yeah, Utah's Utah's been really good. They've been fun to watch. And I think they're actually genuinely a threat for the first time. Like they're not just this upstart, like overachieving team. They're one of the teams to beat in the West. Yeah, I mean I'm honestly just rooting for the Clippers to get the one seed and collapse in the playoffs. That's all I care about right now. Yeah, my dream scenario is and okay, I don't want the Warriors to be an eight seed because that would mean they have to be in the playing tournament and that's scary. Well Clippers no, yeah, like no, that's actually seed, that's actually a fantastic Golden State seven seed. That's and actually just, fantastic. The Warriors have just owned the Clippers for the last like six years, so that would be a really funny matchup. I would have a great time watching PG and Kawhi collapse against Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Wiggins, Oubre. I mean, uh, honestly, the Clippers are winning right now despite Paul George. No, no, shut up. Paul George is playing really well. No, no, no. He he's not been playing super well the past few games. He shot like three for eighteen the other day past few games i've seen his season splits oh yeah okay the man is come on man like he, okay he shot seven for 16 one of the games that was his worst shooting performance in the last two games before that he had 26 on the season he's a 50 40 almost 90 guy he's 45 percent from three averaging 23.6 points a game six rebounds five okay. assists well, so, okay. one stick. he's playing really really well this season never mind he shot four for 13 on the against OKC, but then he didn't play the other two games. But, yeah, he came back, and he had a really good game against, what was it, Orlando, which I guess, you know, of course you have a good game against Orlando. But Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are playing really well. I think Kawhi's in the MVP race now after a really, really strong series of starts. Oh, no, there, no, there he, his three, he went one for eight from three against the Knicks of all teams. Knicks are very, very not bad this season. Oh, yeah, but, I mean, okay, fine, I guess. Paul George is playing well. Let's give him props where it's due. He's playing great defense. He's contributing efficiently on offense, and he's facilitating pretty well. So, makes sense why the Clippers are 16-5 and five and lead the West. Oh, wait, dude. I mean, honestly, wait, never mind. I, I take back everything I said because I, I, he's having a 50-40-90 season. Yeah. Yeah, wow, okay. <laughs> He's Never. playing well. Yeah. So, I, yep, that that about wraps up our West, I guess. Um, I think right now the top four make a lot of sense, but five through 14 can change any time in the next, like, three weeks. So we will see how these standings progress. We will have more basketball content, but first we're going to have to do more football content. We're going to have our Super Bowl preview episode at some point, talk about some matchups, coaching, schemes, whatever you want to know about the big game, we'll have it. Um, What else even happened in sports? Oh yeah, Nolan Arenado traded to the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, you said you wanted to talk about that. So. I'm just going to really quickly touch on that. That's a steal for the Cardinals because I was Arenado had like I was a confused. down year last year in like the shortened season, but makes no sense for the Rockies to give up on one of the best third basemen of all time. So I was very confused. I was just like, what is going on? So it's the Cardinals got way better and it I think it went under the radar. <laughs> like no one's talking about it. So that happened. And yeah. Uh, that's all. That's really all. I guess no one really listens to baseball stuff that we have to say on this podcast. It's probably because the stuff we have to say is pretty irrelevant too. But you know it is yeah. what it is. The the whole the yes. whole what Mets thing happened, right? So that was the whole thing. But 
I'm not really getting into that right now. But yeah, so uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Locked In Podcast. Uh, more sports news coming your way. Super Bowl preview coming in the next few days before the game next week. Honestly shaping up to be an all-time great Super Bowl. Very, very excited for it. And it's going to be fantastic. So uh, as, as always, stay safe and wash your hands. Wash your hands, people. Peace.